Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and toquettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Thursday, December 29th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us. We just got three days left in this miserable year of 2016 to get through, and we're so glad you could join us here live on CannabisRadio.com. I'm coming to you from Delta 9 Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, and we've got uh, plenty of 2016 reminiscing for you today. Uh, We are going through our archives of some of my travels throughout this very, very busy, tumultuous 2016, and I'm bringing to you my greatest hits, if you will, some of my favorite interviews and uh, recordings from this year of travel. So coming up on the show today, in our Behind the Headlines segment, I'm going to give you a brief clip of the breaking news that I got to deliver. It was uh, cited in the Washington Post, USA Today, LA Times, and many other mainstream publications. I was there in Washington, D.C. when Republican Representative Dana Rohrbacher became the first congressman, the first sitting congressman, to admit his use of medical marijuana. And not just federally illegal medical marijuana, but he doesn't have a state recommendation in California either. So uh, we'll play that for you coming up right after the uh, Cannabis Radio News. Also on the show, we'll have time for some drug war data mining. I was uh, looking over Christopher Ingraham's post on the uh, study that uh, claims that Washington teens uh, are smoking more pot because they think it's less harmful, even though Colorado teens aren't. Uh, and uh, at the very tail end of the story, uh, he gets some quotes in from uh, Professor Mark Kleiman uh, from Bowtech Analysis. He was Washington State's uh, pot czar, and he re- reiterates his belief that we should try to keep marijuana as expensive as possible. And that is his uh, rationale. We need to keep pot really expensive so kids won't use it. We'll take a look at the data and cross-reference the price of weed with the use of weed since legalization. Has expensive weed kept kids from taking it up? Has cheap weed made kids take it up? We'll find out in Drug War Data Mining. Also on the show today, as I mentioned, we're going to be uh, reviewing some of my favorite interviews from 2016 and some of the best speeches and presentations that I've covered. So at half past in our Sensimilia Science segment, you'll get to hear from the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference 2016 in Eugene, where the esteemed Dr. Carl Hart explained how crack and meth are legal. 
They just have different names. You'll hear all about that at half past. And then at the end of hour one in the activist agenda, I will uh, bring you my interview with one of the bravest and most charismatic activists anywhere in the United States. She's a 10-year-old girl. Her name is Alexis Bortel, and she's been over 500 days seizure-free thanks to her use of medical marijuana. We got to talk to her in Fort Worth, Texas. Also, coming up in Hour 2, we're going to bring you more of the highlights from 2016, including uh, another visit to Texas where I got to see a King of Elvi. <laughs> That's what the... Uh, the uh, uh, collective noun is for Elvis's, by the way, a king of Elvi, and uh, spoke with the Afro redneck. That's an interesting combination. Also, my interview with some activists from Jamaica at the United Nations, and then we'll close out hour two with interviews with three different uh, athletes who are promoting the medical use of cannabis. It's all coming up in this best of 2016 edition of the Russ Bellville Show right after the Cannabis Radio News, which is next. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants... Healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. We love I'm Radical Russ Belville, inviting you to join me every weekday on CannabisRadio.com for the Russ Belville Show. It's the NPR of POT. We bring you the latest marijuana headlines, cannabis analysis, drug war data, activist interviews, radical rants, and your live calls. Join me every weekday at 3 Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, live only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, December 29th, 2016. 
Officials say they've taken down the Nevada Medical Marijuana Online Portal after personal information about marijuana industry workers was exposed. The State Division of Public and Behavioral Health said it learned on Wednesday that information about people who applied for medical marijuana agent cards was publicly available online. That includes Social Security numbers and dates of birth, KLAS-TV reports. A Dallas man doing a Google search discovered the data and believes nearly 12,000 applications were disclosed in the breach. Officials say private information about medical marijuana patients appears to still be secure. Division Chief Cody Finney says state information technology employees are working to prevent future breaches, and the incident has been referred to law enforcement. The division is contacting the people affected and three major credit reporting agencies. A state commission said residents hoping to grow Arkansas medical marijuana must pay a $15,000 application fee in addition to a licensing fee. The Arkansas Medical Marijuana Commission approved the plan on Tuesday. The licensing fee has yet to be determined, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette reported. The $15,000 fee is the maximum allowed under the medical marijuana amendment that voters approved last month. Unsuccessful applicants will get back half of the application fee. A judge won't dismiss charges against a man accused of driving under the influence of marijuana and causing a crash on the Massachusetts Turnpike that killed a state trooper. In a ruling issued Wednesday, a Worcester judge denied a motion to dismiss several of the charges against 30-year-old David Jagunya of Webster. Jagunya has pleaded not guilty to manslaughter and related offenses in the March 16th death of 44-year-old trooper Thomas Clardy. Authorities say Clardy had stopped a car for a traffic violation when his cruiser was hit by Jagunya's vehicle in Charlton. Witnesses say Jagunya had swerved across all three travel lanes without slowing. Jagunya's lawyer had argued that several charges are duplicative and there was insufficient evidence to support the charge alleging Jagunya had used marijuana. Clardy's death featured prominently in the 2016 campaign to legalize marijuana, with opponents running ads featuring Clardy's widow. A North Texas police officer recently gave a teenager the option of being cited for marijuana possession or doing 200 push-ups after the boy was caught smoking pot outside a movie theater. The teen opted for the push-ups after Arlington officer Eric Ball smelled the odor of marijuana. Police Lieutenant Christopher Cook says Ball was working an off-duty detail at the theater when he came across the teen. He found the boy's mother inside the theater and the woman hugged and thanked the officer. Cook says the boy was respectful and realized he'd made a mistake. He says Ball played football under coaches who used push-ups to ensure discipline. It wasn't clear when it occurred, but a video of the teen struggling with the push-ups was posted Monday to Facebook. A new study published in the Pharmacological Research Journal is lending further credence to the long-held theory that cannabis could be your best friend in the bedroom. In the study, researchers from the University of Catania in Italy and Charles University and Masaryk University in the Czech Republic reviewed a number of investigations conducted in the 1970s and 80s on the effects of cannabis on sexual desire and satisfaction. What they discovered was that people who consumed cannabis before sex experienced aphrodisiac effects in roughly half of the reported cases, while 70% claimed that precoitus consumption led to enhancement in pleasure and satisfaction. Recreational marijuana legalization had no impact on how many Colorado teens use pot 
or on whether they think it is dangerous, but that could be because years of medical marijuana sales already had brought about changes in those measures, according to a new study. The study, posted on the website of the journal JAMA Pediatrics on Tuesday, looked at national survey data and concluded that the percent of teens from Colorado who said they had used marijuana in the past month was statistically unchanged between the pre-legalization years of 2010 to 2012 and the post-legalization years of 2013 to 2015. Similarly, the study found that a shift in Colorado teens' attitudes toward marijuana's risks was not statistically different from the national trend. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, December 29th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. first 2015 adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in oregon immediately over 400,000 adults who consume cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals this is what freedom sounds like brought to you by portland normal You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at our Congress as we move forward into the new administration. The House and the Senate will be under the control of the Republican Party, as well as the presidency and the Supreme Court. And as we move forward, there's a lot of question as to the uh, the 
safety, the <laughs> the continuing uh, evolution, if you will, of the legal marijuana movement. Uh, there's people on both sides, some that think that a Trump administration will be beneficial, others who think that it could be detrimental. I line up in that latter camp. But as we move forward, it's important to note that we are gaining more and more support in the Congress, even from among Republicans, when it comes to some marijuana reforms. We've had the farm bill that has passed that has legalized industrial hemp production in the states that have laws uh, allowing it. We've got the uh, the Rohrabacher Amendment uh, that uh, protects the current medical marijuana states from any federal intrusion from the DOJ spending any money uh, to uh, raid them or prosecute them. It's important to note also that that uh, provision ends in April and will have to be renewed if it's to continue. We don't know if that will happen, but pushing for that to happen will be the newly formed Congressional Cannabis Caucus. This has been formed on a bipartisan basis with my representative, Earl Blumenauer, and the aforementioned Dana Rohrbacher, the conservative from Orange County, and includes many other Congress people who are uh, friendly to the marijuana issue. Jared Polis uh, from Colorado, Steve Cohen from Tennessee, uh, Maria Del Bene from Washington State and others. More Democrats than Republicans in this uh, caucus, but it's a start and it's good news for those of us that are wanting to keep the marijuana issue moving forward in our Congress. And this last May, there was an event that took place, the uh, normal D.C. Lobby Day, where the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws invited activists to fly into Washington, D.C. and join them for a day of lobbying our federal lawmakers. And speaking to us at that event were five members of this cannabis uh, caucus, uh, the ones I mentioned, including Representative Dana Rohrabacher, the congressman from Orange County, who made a startling revelation uh, that shocked his advisors and allowed me to report on a breaking news story that made the Washington Post and other national news. Rohrabacher admitting to medical marijuana use. <clears throat> a lot of people know that I spent most of my life as a surfer. All right. Hey, dude, surf's up. Let's go, you know? <laughs> and uh, anyway, and uh, quite frankly, I never took off my puka shells, right? There they are. <laughs> okay, but... Okay, well, anyway. And I didn't forget the guys down at the beach either, so that's what some of this is all about. However, let me give you this dirty little secret about surfers. We wear out our shoulders. I haven't been able to go surfing for a year and a half, and I've been in severe pain because I spent all this time doing that, which I can barely do now, uh, and it wore all the cartilage out here, you know? So let's say about 30 years of really good surfing, and uh, now I'm in pain because I've got arthritis. Uh, yeah, it was worth it. I'll tell you, I'd do it again, okay? <laughs> Especially if there's something we can do about it. And I went to one of these uh, uh, hip fests or something like that. They had San Bernardino or anybody who go to that. And uh, so this guy is showing me the medical things and all that. And he says, and you should try this. And it's a candle. And you light the candle and it waxes in there. It melts down. Then you rub it on you, whatever you've got problems with. And you know what? 
I tried it about two weeks ago, and it's the first time in two years, or now first time in a year and a half, that I had a decent night's sleep because the arthritis pain was gone. And uh, now... Now, don't tell anybody I broke the law. <laughs> Actually, you know, bust, they'll bust down my door. And, you know, and, uh, and, and, and take whatever's inside and use it for evidence against me, whatever it is. The bottom line is that uh, I don't know. Uh, there is a, there's definitely cannabis in there, and uh, it makes sure that I can sleep now. The criminal... The, the crime here is that we are using law enforcement dollars to prevent people from getting to that <laughs> I didn't pick that one folks that one was random <laughs> but it was absolutely perfect to have Jeff Spicoli following up uh, Representative Rohrbacher admitting to his medical cannabis use it was uh, it was a I ran literally ran out of the place with my recorder uh, to the hotel room to get this posted. We got more of the best of 2016 coming up, but first some drug war data mining when we return. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in cannabisradio.com. Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio, the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, Better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends? Identify and compare your top products and categories and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. Uh, St. Peter auditioning to be the Microsoft Weed Software uh, spokesman. Hey, this is St. Peter for Microsoft. They track weed. Does that mean they're going to like track the weed? Is that what this is about, Jesus? I'm not going to be tracked, Jesus. I'm not going to have my fucking weed tracked. And I'm not going to have fucking Microsoft track me back to my fucking house through my weed to where they fucking spied on people with that goddamn Xbox camera. Fuck this. Fuck Microsoft. This bullshit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, 
or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we're referring back to that study that we uh, talked about uh, earlier this week on the effect of marijuana legalization on teen perceptions of marijuana's harm and teen use of marijuana. The big headline coming out of this one is the researchers claiming that legalization in Washington state caused kids to fear marijuana less and use marijuana more. Yet the legalization in Colorado did not have that sort of effect. The teen perceptions and use remained relatively stable. Of course, they tried to explain this away. They tried to explain it away as saying Colorado already had a vibrant uh, medical marijuana market. And so kids' attitudes had already changed, which, of course, ignores the fact that Washington State also had a vibrant medical marijuana market. <laughs> and as we talked about uh, on uh, yesterday's show regarding this study, the uh, uh, other states don't seem to back up these trends in any way whatsoever, taking a look at places like California and Oregon and so forth. Well, Christopher Ingraham at the Washington Post Walk blog has written about this, and he, he frames it perfectly by explaining how study after study at the national and state level has has shown that the legalization of marijuana hasn't had much effect on kids uh, before he delves into this uh, finding, even bringing up the quote. And, and this will go down in history as one of my favorite quotes from the National Institutes of Drug Abuse. Quote, we had predicted based on the changes in legalization culture in the U.S., as well as decreasing perceptions among teenagers that marijuana was harmful, that accessibility and use would go up, but it hasn't gone up. End quote. Love that. Love that quote. And the uh, the story brings up some of the data, shows us a couple nice graphs. So it's worth looking at if you want to get out to the Washington Post website. But in the study, Ingraham cites Mark Kleiman from New York University, used to be the UCLA public policy prof and formerly Washington State's pot czar. So they got a quote from Mark, a quote or two from Mark on this. And uh, Mark brings up something that he refers to often and was a major highlight of the the Botech uh, policy summit that they had last April. And that is, he says, quote, the effect of the legalization initiatives themselves on price and availability of cannabis really wasn't felt until after the study's surveys were done and goes on to say that the way to make sure that teenagers uh, don't take up marijuana use is to make sure that marijuana doesn't become too cheap. He says, quote, there's reason to think that adolescents are more price sensitive than adults with respect to cannabis use. So I'd advise states that legalize to do what they can to keep prices from falling, end quote. And I just want to take a moment here to debunk that thought, this hypothesis 
that keeping marijuana expensive for adults, artificially expensive for adults, is going to make kids use it less. First of all, it's bad for the adults because we keep the marijuana prices high, and all that does is maintain the incentive for unregulated market and illegal sales, sales uh, of products that aren't tested or inspected or labeled. So it's already bad from that perspective, keeping the price artificially high. But it's also bad from the perspective that it doesn't seem to work. Today, I took a look at the website priceofweed.com, and I entered for all 50 states in D.C. the average price of a high-quality ounce of marijuana. And this is submitted from tens of thousands of marijuana smokers all across the country who turn in their price reports. I then cross-referenced that with the increase or decrease in monthly marijuana smoking from 2009 to 2015, because this uh, study was from that period, right, saying that before 2012, there was X, and then after 2012, there was Y, so we're going to include the same data range. And I found no correlation whatsoever. We take a look at the state, North Dakota, that had the greatest rise in teen marijuana use, went up 41% over that span from 2009 to 2015, their price of marijuana per ounce is $388.84, one of the top 10 highest prices in the nation. Meanwhile, we've got the state of Utah, or state of, I'm sorry, state of Idaho. Idaho's marijuana use among teenagers went down 14.5%. And yet their price of marijuana is one of the top 10 lowest prices of marijuana in the nation, $275 per ounce. As we look through some of the rest of them, you find similar results, where in Maryland, pot use among teenagers went up 30%, yet the price of their weed is $364 an ounce. The average for the United States, by the way, is $320. So they're above average, and yet their prices, their use went up 30%. We have a 21% rise in the state of Indiana. Price of their weed, $333. 17% rise in Kentucky. Price of their weed, $343. South Dakota, 16% increase, $357 an ounce. We find places where the youth use went down. Oklahoma, it went down the most went down 24%, and yet the price of their weed is $350 per ounce. That would seem to corroborate the idea that the high price makes the weed use go down. But then we see another state with $350 an ounce prices, like a Wisconsin, and their weed use went up almost 11%. Went up almost 11% in Tennessee with the same $350 ounce. So it does not seem to me that the price of weed has much correlation whatsoever to whether or not kids are using it. I'll get this data published a little later today on weednews.co. Check it out when we come back. Dr. Carl Hart. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform 
puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Despite marijuana's federal Schedule I status, academics continue to discover the truth, counter the propaganda, and unlock more benefits within humanity's most beneficial plant. Join us now as we speak with the pioneering researchers in cannabis in this edition of Sensamia Science. We go back to the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference this year in Eugene, Oregon, where the esteemed Dr. Carl Hart was speaking to the crowd on pharmacology. What I'd like to do is, is, is to go through a few drugs and show you how we have exaggerated the harmful effects. And I'm going to start with crack cocaine. Now, crack, uh, if you focus your attention on the left side of the graph, that's powder cocaine. Go back to the right side of the graph, that's crack cocaine. Go back to the right and focus on the red circle. The red circle is a hydrochloride group. It's a salt, basically. It's the only difference between crack and powder cocaine. That hydrochloride group prevents the cocaine from being smoked. If you want to smoke cocaine, you have to remove that hydrochloride group. And that's what you do with crack. Now, otherwise, the drugs are the same. Now, that hydrochloride group does not produce any pharmacological effect. It doesn't have any biological effects. So the effects of these two drugs are identical. Now, this is what we have discovered from doing studies with these drugs in the lab with people, and we've done a number of studies. Now, it is true, when you smoke crack cocaine, the effects are produced more rapidly and they are more intense than snorting powder cocaine. But when you dissolve powder cocaine in water and you shoot it intravenously, the intensity of the effect and the onset of the effects are identical to smoking crack cocaine. The bottom line, they are the same drug. But the public has been misled to believe that crack is more dangerous. And this has led to legislation that punishes crack cocaine more harshly than powder cocaine. And we'll come back to that. But I want to go to another drug that you all are familiar with here in the West, methamphetamine. Again, focus your attention on the left. 
That's amphetamine or deamphetamine. That's the compound that is in Adderall. Some of you all might know Adderall. Focus your attention back to the right. That's methamphetamine. The only difference between these two drugs is that circle. That circle is a methyl group. That additional methyl group makes it methamphetamine. People have suggested, including scientists, they have suggested that the addition of this methyl groups makes methamphetamine more lipid soluble. That is, it gets into the brain more rapidly, it produces a more intense effect, it's more addictive, it's more dangerous, and so forth. So, we did a study, along with a number of other people now, we did a study in which we compared the drugs in the same people under double-blind conditions. Because I didn't, ha I didn't see any evidence that suggested that methamphetamine was more dangerous, more addictive, and so forth than amphetamine. So we did a study, brought people into the lab under double-blind conditions, and we gave them these drugs on different days. What we found is that the drugs produced identical effects on behavior, on physiology, on cognitive function. They are the same drug. So when we think about Adderall and we think about methamphetamine, they are the same drug. In fact, both drugs are approved by the FDA to treat attention deficit disorder. Some of you all may have known that. And some of you all may know that our military uses amphetamine for soldiers to keep them awake so they can fight better and drop bombs longer. Right? Some of you all know this? You, you all with me? All right, all right, all right. Okay. But... Okay, but still, we, have, we still have this belief about methamphetamine. For example, people who abuse methamphetamine, they don't have a prescription from their physician. They're not being taken care of by a physician. And methamphetamine may be causing some damage to their brains. That's what we've been told. And on the slide, I have a picture of brain imaging. On the left, that's a picture of someone who has not used methamphetamine. On the right, that's a picture of someone who has used methamphetamine. And typically, if you're in a scientific talk about this, the speaker would say, you can see the difference between these two, these two brain images. You see on the, on the left, the image is brighter. And that, to you, they would say, indicates that the folks who are using methamphetamine have some sort of brain damage. There is some evidence that when you give methamphetamine or amphetamine, any amphetamine, at large doses, to naive animals, you can destroy brain cells. Just like you can destroy brain cells and even the animal if you give nicotine at large doses. But nonetheless, the idea is that these images tell you something about people's function. They don't. And this is not data because I can image people on this side of the room and can compare them with folks on this side of the room and find some differences. But when I see those differences, I won't say that the people on this side of the room is cognitively impaired or has brain damage. That would be inappropriate without actually testing them for cognitive function and so forth. Because with humans, there's a wide variation of what our brains look like. This wide variation sometimes is not taken into account when we have these kind of findings with drug users. Now... This concern that I have about methamphetamine, particularly with brain imaging and cognitive function, led me to review that entire literature. 
I published a paper a few years ago about that review. And what I concluded was this, is that methamphetamine users, illicit methamphetamine users, when it comes to their cognitive functioning, they are normal. Their cognitive functioning is normal. And when it comes to their brain, in terms of brain damage and how they and, and how uh, their brains compare with folks who haven't used methamphetamine, again, they are within the normal range. Despite the fact that researchers have had this propensity to interpret any difference as some clinically significant abnormality, that's inappropriate. Now we are doing a similar sort of thing with heroin in the country. The country at the moment is losing its mind about heroin, particularly when it comes to heroin overdoses. What you all should know is that people rarely, I mean rarely die from a heroin-only overdose. 75% of the people who die from a heroin or any opioid-related death do so because they combine it with another sedative like alcohol, like a benzodiazepine, 75% or so. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that our public health message is kind of simple. It's not the opiate. That's a difficult thing to do. I mean, it's possible, but our public health message is simple. If you're going to use an opiate, don't combine it with another sedative. But that's not what we do in our country. We are not providing sound public health information or rational public health information. Another sort of thing that we can simply do when it comes to these opioids, we can simply make sure that we have the availability of the opioid antagonist, naloxone, so we can just simply reverse the effects of overdose. This is quite simple. Now, when it comes to cannabis, you all are familiar with many of the exaggerations as it, becomes, as it relates to cannabis. There is a journal called The Lancet. The Lancet is a really good journal, medical journal. It seems like every edition, there is a paper, a study, showing that cannabis causes psychosis. You all familiar with this? It seems like every, every, every issue, there is... There, there, this, this belief is perpetuated in that journal. So this concerned us, my colleague, Charlie Consider and I. So we reviewed the literature on cannabis and psychosis, and we recently published a paper. What we concluded, we concluded that the correlation between cannabis use and psychosis is not specific either with regard to the chemicals found in cannabis or with regard to psychosis as opposed to other psychiatric disorders. What does that mean? That means, as in terms of the chemicals, when you look at amphetamine, when you look at tobacco, the relationship between amphetamine and tobacco and, can, and, and, and psychosis is stronger than the relationship with cannabis and psychosis. Now, these are just correlations, but, but that's a fact. And then also, when you look at other psychiatric disorders, the relationship between these drugs and depression, anxiety, are stronger than, relationship, than that relationship with psychosis. So what that tells you is that when people are talking about the relationship between cannabis and psychosis, and they don't mention tobacco, 
amphetamines. They don't mention those other psychiatric disorders. You, it's a license for you to stop listening because they think either they think that you're an idiot or they are an idiot. So you don't need to listen any further. So another sort of thing that I've learned along my journey is that we have used the enforcement of our drug policy as racial discrimination policy. It's a way to racially discriminate. Now, I want to come back to crack cocaine as I pointed out that they're cracked and powdered, they're the same drug. But in 1986, and extended in 1988, we passed some of the harshest drug laws in the country where we punished crack cocaine violations 100 times more harshly than powder cocaine violations. That is, people caught with small amounts of crack cocaine were required to go to jail for a mandatory minimum sentence of five years for having small amounts of crack cocaine. This led to this horrible statistic. More than 80% of the people convicted under these laws were black, even though black people were not the majority of the crack users. That's one thing. This came to light in 1994 when the U.S. Sentencing Commission did this uh, comprehensive study. And once they did, when they did the study, they said, oh, wow, this is going on. We need to change the law. The U.S. Sentencing Commission, they decide what the punishment for violations will be in the country. And when they make a recommendation, it becomes law, except in this case. In this case, Congress and Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton, rejected that recommendation. First time the U.S. Sentencing Commission's recommendations were rejected. Bill Clinton said in response why he decided to reject that recommendation. He said, we have to send a constant message to our children that drugs are illegal, drugs are dangerous, drugs may cost you your life, and the penalty for dealing drugs are severe. But we're not only, we weren't only talking about drug dealing in this case, we're talking about people caught with simple possession as well. But that's what Bill Clinton said. Fast forward 12 years to 2007, when presidential candidate Barack Obama was running for the White House, speaking before Howard University, uh, that's a black university, he said about this differential treatment, he said, judges think that's wrong, Republicans think that's wrong, Democrats think that's wrong, and yet it's been approved by Republican and Democratic presidents because no one has been willing to, to brave the politics and make it right. That will change when I'm president. Did it change? Well, in the Obama way, kind of, right? In 2007, 2010, uh, President Obama signed into law the Fair Sentencing Act that decreased the disparity from 100 to 1 to, to 18 to 1. So now, today, crack cocaine is punished 18 times more harshly than powder cocaine. Recall that I said they are the same drug. It would be like punishing people who smoke cannabis 100 times more harshly than those who use it, uh, who take it in their brownies. That's what it would be like. Now, on this sort of change, I think Brother Malcolm X spoke posthumously to this issue when he said, 
If you stick a knife in my back nine inches and pull it out six inches, there is no progress. And then when you consider that today, 2016, the numbers, when we look at the people who are being arrested for this same law, to even today, more than 80% of the people being arrested under this law are black. That's Dr. Carl Hart speaking to the pharmacological similarity of crack cocaine and methamphetamine to powder cocaine and Adderall. Always illuminating to hear Dr. Carl Hart speak. If you get a chance to find him on YouTube or read any of his books, you really ought to do it. Learn a lot from this man. All right, stay tuned. When we come back, we'll have more of the best of my 2016 interviews and events with probably my favorite activist of 2016, 10-year-old Alexis Bortel. She was actually nine when we did this interview. Coming up next in the Activist Agenda. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Seeking a career in cannabis? Ready to become the next great bud tender? Increase your knowledge, skills, and higher ability with a Tricomb certification today. Tricomb Institute is the only cannabis education company in the world with courses that include textbooks, workbooks, and expert-approved and government-certified curriculum. Tricomb now offers these courses online. Take the courses at your own pace with 24-7 live human support from anywhere in the world. These courses are perfect for physicians, pharmacists, MMJ parents or patients, adult use customers, and most of all, aspiring butt tenders. The course includes full access to the cannabis industry's largest job board and even includes resume building help. Register for online courses with the cannabis industry's educational leader in science, education, and training. Visit TricombInstitute.com today. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. We do have John McAfee. He's running for the Libertarian Party nomination for president. What makes someone like you want to take the reins of this? We're so far behind this fighting and in a cyber war. We can't hack into the Chinese. Back in 1979, they started building cyber defense systems. We didn't even think about it until 20 years ago. I've seen no candidates and certainly no one within government capable of dealing with this issue. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. The International Cannabis Business Conference comes to San Francisco, California on February 16th and 17th, 2017. The ICBC San Francisco, Northern California's first business-to-business event since the recent historic election, will bring together top state regulators and industry leaders to discuss permits, business models, and opportunities within the newly enacted laws and landscape. 
Of course, the ICBC also famously offers some of the best cannabis industry networking, leveraging our worldwide following to connect wholesalers, brands, distributors, investors, and strategic partners. And don't forget to come early for our VIP reception and stay late for our legendary after party. Join us for the longest continuously running cannabis business conference in California at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square, the one and only International Cannabis Business Conference. Visit internationalcbc.com for tickets today. With ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Well, in this year, I got to meet a fantastic activist in Texas. Her name's Alexis Bortel. She's nine years old and she's battling seizures with cannabis. Radical Russ here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, where I am so pleased to be sitting down with the rock star of the show so far, Alexis Bortel. Hi, Alexis. Hi. You just delivered probably the most bombshell speech I've heard, and I do these events a lot. You had numerous standing ovations. There had to be a couple of thousand people listening to you. How'd that make you feel? Were you nervous? I was nervous at first. It was a lot of work just studying the speech itself. Yeah. But... Um, it was actually really fun. Was this your first time doing a big speech like this? Um, I had one other speech like this. Um, it was in DFW. It was just, except it was outdoors. Okay. And... Have, has anyone ever told you that you're really good at this? Like, I, I speak for a living, and I have no advice for you. You did such a great job. Is this something you want to keep doing? Yes, I want to keep doing this because that's my talent. Like, I can speak in front of many and just go blank. You do have a great talent for that. In fact, you even uh, mentioned that you weren't going to stop your mission, even if you had to become governor someday. Do you think you might go into politics? You might. That would be something interesting, I think. Uh, you also uh, gave a mention to a, a friend of yours who is a friend of mine as well, Vincent Lopez, who left us uh, last year. Um, do you think Vincent was watching? you think he's proud of what you've been doing? Can you talk about some of the other kids uh, that you're trying to help out with Team Alexis? You mentioned a couple up, uh, up there on your speech. Now, your use of medical cannabis, you mentioned how, you know, Texas has this law that has low THC and high CBD. That didn't work for you, did it? No, because um, I have a higher THC level, 15 to 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. And so you moved out to Colorado where you can get, you know, whatever levels that you need. And you mentioned how many days you've been seizure free now? You are what? 20 days away from a full year or something like that? Around that, yeah. Around 19, something like that. Pretty much a miracle. That is a miracle. It's amazing. And what was it like for you trying to go to school when you had to worry about seizures all the time? Um, I had a lot of tardies. I had to go to the nurse's office practically every day. Did it hurt your grades any? 
Yes, it hurt my grades because sometimes I would miss tests. Yeah, and now you've been almost a year seizure-free. How's school going now? School now, it's way better because I have way less tardies. Um, I hardly go to the nurse, basically. That's great to hear. Uh, So obviously, you want to come back home to Texas, right? Yes. And you miss a lot of friends and family here? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's got to be tough. So the only way you get to come back is if these legislators fix this law. So what do you tell them? How, how do you convince some of these people that are scared of it that they need to change the law? I convince them by just saying my story, just saying like how it helps many people and it's illegal in most places and we need to fix that. You know, a lot of these legislators and some people are just afraid when they hear the letters THC. They think of the people who smoke joints and get high. Is it? It's nothing like that for your treatment, is it? You don't get any sort of weird feelings from it, do you? No, um, it's medical. As far as I know, um, medical, just the THC part of it, it's basically what helps most people. And it's uh, in an oil form, right, that you're taking this? Yes. Oh, yeah, excellent. Uh, so you continue to fight with Team Alexis. We've got to get these legislators to change their mind. Uh, I heard your plans coming up now are going to be coming to the legislature quite often, right? Yep. Tell, tell folks about what you're going to be doing here. Um, so I'll go, every once in a while I'll come back and forth from Colorado to here to talk to legislators about how this amount of THC won't help. We need a higher amount of THC. Legal. And is it not just for kids that have seizure disorders, like other disorders as well? Yes, like cancer and many others. Yeah, Crohn's disease. There's all sorts of things that it could help. Um, when you talk to other little kids, uh, other kids your age in school, I mean, do you talk to them? Do they know anything about this? Is this weird to them? Um, here in Colorado, I haven't told too many people. Yeah. Um, but in Texas, pretty much the class knew and I think it was kind of weird for them. Just Yeah, to, to trying to figure out, you know, you're having this disability, you're having these seizures, and wow, here's something that helps. It's got to be frustrating to, to think that, like you said in your speech, you're 10 years old, you figured this out. How come the adults can't figure it out? Um, they just need a research. That's all it, it, just, that's all it comes to. Does it feel strange to get so much attention to have so many people like after the speech everybody wants to take their selfie take their picture with yep. you do you feel like a like a celebrity like a rock star a little yeah yeah you get the the special back room the green room with the chips and the sodas and all these cameras pointing at you <laughs> kind of fun huh yes all right well i think you are doing great work and so much the so much good that you're bringing to this because i think a lot of adults when they hear it from adults like me they may not. They may think I have some sort of trick up my sleeve. Yep. I'm trying to trick them. They're obviously, you're not trying to trick anybody. No. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you're doing. And, and do you have any like uh, emails or websites or anything like that to tell people about for to help you out? Yes, um, teamalexis.org. It's basically a Facebook site. Um, it's just about like uh, how it's been going and how it medical cannabis can help others. That's amazing. Alexis, I know you are going to get this law changed in Texas, and a lot of people will have a lot of gratitude for you uh, for helping them out because, like you said, you have this talent to speak for people, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people are afraid to speak out. So congratulations and great work with everything you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us. I'm really honored. I appreciate it. Have a great show. Thank you. All right, folks, we'll be back with more from the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. 
It's always amazing when you get to meet someone so young who's got uh, so much talent and charisma. And uh, if you could have seen her delivering that speech, standing up on a booster to get up to the podium in front of two or three thousand people there at the expo and didn't shake, didn't uh, stammer, uh, delivered a speech better than 90% of the adults that I've seen deliver speeches. It was just phenomenal. And keep your eyes on this girl. The next 10, 20 years, I would not be surprised if she did become the governor of Texas. That's all the time I got for Hour One. Thanks for joining us for this Best of 2016 retrospective. We'll have more Best of 2016 coming up in the next hour. For everyone here at Delta 9 Studios in beautiful legal Potland, Oregon, and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tow. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the, the next thing you know, they got ten years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio. Glad to have you here. Thanks for joining us. we got three days left in this miserable year of 2016. And um, we were lamenting some of the uh, notable deaths of 2016 yesterday. And... Another death happened today, although you may not know the man, you do know what he invented. The inventor of the red solo cup died today. <laughs> you know those red cups you get at the kegger? <laughs> the guy who invented that uh, died today. So thanks, 2016. You continue to suck. 
Also, uh, you might want to check out weednews.co today because uh, some great stories up there. Um, there was a representative, uh, Kelly Townsend is her name, and she's a state representative in Arizona. And a tweet of hers was forwarded to me, and it says... 2016, just know that even though everyone is blaming you, I thought you were brilliant. And I know the real reason that many of these people are dropping like flies is because they were druggies. We used to call them stoners or tweakers, not idols. So when people keep blaming you, just don't listen and know that you are loved. Uh-huh. That's uh, Representative Kelly Townsend. Uh, she is the co-founder of the Greater Phoenix Area Tea Party. And um, her Twitter account is at KellyTownsend11. But uh, she has a protected Twitter account, so you can't read her account unless you are a follower. I sent a follow request, but I doubt it will get picked up. But maybe you, dear listeners, can uh, get through. So if you got a Twitter account, send a follow to at Kelly Townsend 11, and we'll see what we can uh, find out. And, and besides just being offensive, it's inaccurate, right? It's like she's trying to imply that, oh, if you use drugs, it's going to kill you. When in fact, of the 17 people that I could pick out of this year's deaths who were drug users, who were acknowledged, known partying drug users out of 17 of them that I found only four died from their drug use Prince overdose of fentanyl vanity uh, kidney failure because of her lifetime drug use China the wrestler she died uh, alcohol and painkiller overdose and shoddy low uh, Atlanta rapper died in a car crash suspected alcohol and opiate use involved two-thirds of the people died later than their life expectancy. Robert Vaughn, age 83, Leonard Cohen, 82, Merle Haggard, 79, Paul Kantner, Jefferson Airplane, 74, Leon Russell, songwriter, 74, Dan Haggerty, Grizzly Adams, 73, Bernie Wall, the uh, keyboard player from P-Funk, 72, Keith Emerson, uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer, age 71, David Bowie, age 69, Patty Duke, age 69, Glenn Fry, age 67. All those people outlived their life expectancy. So... Uh, maybe drug use led to David Bowie's liver cancer. Maybe Dan Haggerty's spinal cancer came from his cocaine use. Maybe Leonard Cohen died from that fall because he drank so much. I don't know. Anyway, speaking of 2016, this is from Seattle Hemp Fest this year. I'm 
to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's premium CBD essentials and CBD nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water infused with CBD oil is ideal for all skin and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 first responder and stage 4 cancer survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.cannosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's Essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R brands.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say, Razzie Berry, we're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is... Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. As we continue our look back at 2016, uh, we're going to bring you uh, my recording at the Global Cannabis March in Fort Worth. Is my uh, I, I was in Texas 
four times this year, now that I think about it. And uh, I love going there every time because those red state activists there in the Lone Star State, they are really, really positive people and, and, and working really hard uh, to get the word out and to educate the public. Before we go to that uh, recording, though, I did want to make a mention of another story that I've got up on weednews.co today, if you want to log on to that. And it's uh, about a photograph I received through Twitter, uh, Twitter user at MagDaddy, M-A-G-G Daddy, uh, reposted a picture that was taken from a TGI Friday's chain restaurant location in Maryland. And the sign, it was just a piece of paper run through the, the printer, block letters, taped to the, the glass uh, door at the Friday's. That says TGA Fridays, TGI Fridays will not serve or seat guest with strong marijuana odor. Thank you, management. Yeah, will not seat guests with a strong marijuana odor. I, I'm guessing, though, that your Axe body spray, your perfume, the cigarette smoke that you've been smoking outside, uh, your body odor, uh, your terrible gas are, are those people going to get seats there at the uh, TGI Fridays? It's not that I am unsympathetic to people who don't like the smell of pot. I understand that. In that sort of case, though, you could ask the patron to move somewhere. You could you could seat them somewhere they're farther away from people. And also, you don't have to single out marijuana odor. This sign could have said TGI Fridays will not serve or seat guests with strong odors. And not and not discriminate against marijuana consumers. And Maryland's a medical marijuana state. These people could be using their medicine for God's sake. Radical Russ here in Fort Worth, Texas, at the Global Cannabis March. We are at the uh, Fort Worth Civic Plaza, and I'm making my way over to something that is very almost Portlandy, and that is we have a pack of Elvi. That is a group of Elvises. I don't know what the common uh, demonym is for a pack of Elvises, but they're all on these little tiny mini bikes. Elvises! Hey! Hey! How y'all doing, Elvises? Oh, hey! So, is there an official name for a group of Elvises? Is it a pack? Elvis. Elvis. A murder of Elvi? Gaggle. A gaggle of Elvi? What's this all about? You just here for the march? It's Saturday. Oh it's, Saturday. oh, it's Saturday. It's special Elvis Saturday. Right on. So, these guys are all on these little mini bikes. What what size bikes are these? C50. C50. Okay. Little tiny bikes. Oh, this is one. I got to get a picture here with the Elvi. Hey, take me. Hello. I particularly like Mohawk Elvis. I, I think there's something special about Mohawk Elvis here. <laughs> that special punk cut flavor. The brownies are later. 420, man. 420. We're, we're a rather predictable group. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I got, I'm sending it to my dad. He's a huge Elvis fan. Yeah. <laughs> so many friends that I get to meet here in Texas that uh, every time I come back, the Afro Redneck is here. Uh, yes, this is uh, the Afro Redneck. Uh, we're trying to say agriculture can't save the South. 
it does disappoint me that Arkansas is about to be the first progressive, self-proclaimed southern state to uh, have a a, a intelligent uh, marijuana policy, but um, the 13 southern states, Afro rednecks carrying a cross. I, I look like Jesus Christ walking around a marijuana event. God, 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 he gave me the plant. Right on, right on. But yo, my atheist friend. God loves atheists too, I understand. Stay, hey, stay black. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking, man. Come on, man. Colorful. You know, you don't need an excuse to listen to jazz or mess with the brothers and the sisters. and uh, But America, we're very good mixing. But um, we're very happy Ted Cruz is out of it. Uh, if you want to see the Republican Party be a reality TV show. And Bernie is not out of it yet. But uh, Russ... I love you. You're my mentor. Thank you, man. Stay black. I'll do my best. <laughs> do my best. Thank you, brother. All right, let's see who else we can talk to here. Oh, this is a man dear to my heart. We got Thomas Barrington from Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo setting up. You got everything here. Man, if they don't make it, uh, I'll make it. And if they don't sell it, then uh, I'll make it again. I got local glass blowers that glow for us, Jeff Zorn. We got all kinds of suppliers here for this event. And we're going to. We're going to eliminate Prohibition eventually. They're just going to have to give in to us. What's well, amazing is happening here on the, the Fort Worth Plaza. And my my favorite thing that he's got sitting here is the uh, the Death Star grinders. <laughs> they look, little carved Death Stars, man. They're the bomb. So sick. <laughs> little Death Star grinders. Bunch of great glass. So Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, more than just uh, tattoo now. Uh, giving all of your uh, uh, glass and... Uh, Accessories needs. Smoking and tattoo needs. Smoking and tattooing. And believe me, folks, they go well together. Uh, I'll tell you, there's something, uh, you know, that uh, that little uh, THC CBD, that helps a lot when the needle's hitting the skin, let me tell you. <laughs> yes, it does. Huh? Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. It feels awesome. <laughs> it feels awesome. <laughs> All right, let's walk around here and see what else we can talk to you guys from Texas Wellness Center are here. What's up, Texas Wellness Center? How you doing? Oh, man. Good. How you doing? Good. Good. Uh, tell folks your name and, and what this is all about. Uh, so my name is Carlos Frias, and I'm the CEO of Texas Wellness, and we are a company that provides hemp uh, CBD-rich products. Uh, so we you know, provide CBD oil, CBD tincture, CBD vape juices, and CBD is the compound naturally occurring in the cannabis plant that has all most of the medical benefits that's mostly recognized as having benefits. So we provide that in a safe legal alternative that's derived from hemp because Texas doesn't have access to legal cannabis at this time. Yeah, Even Texas, though we've legal, we, we have legalized, Senate Bill 339 yeah. did pass last year, but uh, the DPS is still figuring out you know, how to issue licenses. And they're going through the uh, – they're selecting the, the vendor to – create the platform for licensing and applications processing and whatnot so and we're also one of the companies that's applying for a cultivation license under senate bill 339 where our background is we were cultivators in california for over 10 years so originally from texas texas boys and now we move back to kind of you know be be in the the ground level of the scene so yeah yeah. bring that wave uh from west to east exactly man and well it's it's an east coast so you know new york has medical cannabis maryland has medical cannabis uh Pennsylvania has medical cannabis, so we're just, we're behind, man. Yeah. 
So this is uh, what you've got right now is legal regardless of what the Texas law was. And then when the Texas law changes, will that change your formula? So our, our, our business model is at that point we'll provide cannabis oil, CBD cannabis oil for patients that are approved under the state program and continue to provide hemp CBD products for people for general wellness reasons. So if you have chronic pain, you're not going to get approved under the state program. You can still buy our hemp version of our products. You know, And the ridiculous thing is that when we open our facility, we'll be cultivating these same plants that are considered to be hemp in the state of Colorado will be grown in Texas as cannabis. That's excellent news. All right, so uh, people listening on the show, they're going to want to know how to get in touch with you guys or learn more. You got some websites or contact yeah, yeah. info? Yeah, you guys can go to our website, www.txwellnesscenter.org. Uh, visit our website. Our contact info is on there. And uh, check out our products and give us a shout. All right. Check it out here. Hey, everybody. We're all going to get late. Oh, let's hope so. All right, it's 20 after 420 here in the Pacific time zone, one of America's two legal time zones. we got to take a break, a mandated safety meeting. And remember, the first thing ever sold on the Internet was a baggie of weed. 1971, ARPANET. Google it. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Ah, we'll miss you, Roscoe. Ah, another reason why 2016 sucked. But here's one why 2016 was actually pretty cool on the marijuana front. Jamaica has been making a lot of changes with decriminalization of medical and spiritual ganja use. And this April, I got to visit with three Jamaican activists at the United Nations... We discussed the progress the island nation is making toward legal marijuana. Enjoy. Good day, tokers and tokets. Radical Russ here at the United Nations cafeteria. And sitting next to me, we have delegates. Oh, you're already plugged in. Delegates from uh, the nation of Jamaica. And uh, go ahead and just introduce yourselves to them. Uh, well, I'm Vicky Hansen. I'm from the Ganja Growers and Producers Association and part of the Students for Sensible Job Policy Movement at the University of the West Indies, Mona. I am Kaden Francis, and I'm also a part of Students for Sensible Job Policy at the University of the West Indies, Mona. Hi, and I'm Jama- um, Eleanor Mossi. I advise the government. In uh, listening to the presentations today and the past couple of days at Ungas, 
so many nations have stood up to uh, approve of this outcome document, which basically maintains a lot of the status quo. Fortunately, the minister from Jamaica has been one of the strong voices standing up. In fact, the last session, when everyone else was talking about what they call NPS, new psychotropic substances or designer drugs, she's the one that stood up and said, we're actually concerned about an old substance, maybe one of the oldest. Give me your thoughts on what's been happening here at UNGAS and how Jamaica uh, fits into this and, and would like to see some change. Well, for us, we're concerned that the outcome document, as is now, doesn't take into account the cultures of indigenous people, which our new law, and, and I'm glad to say that we're leading the world in this approach, is to take account of the rights of our indigenous people, to use the hand for their own benefit and to use it in a traditional way that we have always been using it for the healing of the nation, as, as would be said by our Rastafarian community. And it's, it may be for the UN a drug, but for us, it is a culture, it is a way of life, it is how we live. You, you go into any household, you'll find a bottle with cannabis being soaked with other, other herbs, other natural things that it can be used for traditional medical purposes, which scientifically and traditionally has been proven to have benefits. So we are willing to stand up against something that we think we block the rights of our human beings, which is our members of our country, our citizens, and to call for a new approach, which is what our Minister of Foreign Affairs has been doing here at this conference. That's wonderful. And you know, what is something that the world really needs to know is that Jamaica is unified uh, on this position. It's bipartisan. Uh, members of both political parties are supportive of our people and their traditions, which not only include the folk tradition that Vicky speaks of. And you know, what is so funny is because everybody's grandmother has a bottle of alcohol with a ganja leaf, ganja leaf in there for when you have a cold or when you're ill, or they'll boil some ganja tea uh, for its medicinal benefits. And sometimes those persons who use it that way are quite against the smoking of ganja. But they are for the medicinal benefits, which have been recognized through generations. And our motto is out of many, one people, out of our many people and our many traditions. Jamaica has uniquely um, come out as a leader for the folk tradition of the medicine of cannabis. We call it ganja. We are unified in that. We are unified be behind the Rastafarian faith. That's an indigenous um, religion to Jamaica, but one where there are proponents for, for Rastafari all over the world. And what our law that was um, brought in by our former Minister of Justice, uh, Mark Golding, last year, did that is completely groundbreaking is that he conferred upon Rastafari the legal right the legal right to possess and use ganja for their sacramental faith purposes. Now Rastafari is a recognized faith around the world and the, and the right to practice um, your religion is a universal human right. So therefore all Rastas around the world need to know that Jamaica has stood behind them, given them this legal right, and maybe they can use this as a precedent in their own countries to affirm their own rights. 
These international drug treaties have been around for over 50 years. Rastafari has been around for even longer than that. Is it the recent legalization in Uruguay and some U.S. states that have pushed the ball forward in Jamaica for these changes that you referred to? Uh, no, because this is something that we have been doing from centuries, from in 1913, citizens were being for it traditionally. However, what what is different now is that we have recognized that the world, Uruguay is calling for a change because of the issues they are having. Uh, the U.S. unfortunately is now trying to make a dollar from it, and and so therefore they have gone to the capitalist point of trying to get recreational for sale and all of that. So they have come on board our trade. The difference is the purpose and the reason behind it, their change and for our change. We're looking at changing the rules because it's beneficial to our people, the culture, the development. I hear the argument about removal of, of, of poverty and equality. You can only do that in recognition of the rights of all people. And all people include the indigenous Rastafari, Maroons, indigenous people of every country. So it's good to know that the world is, for various reasons, looking at cannabis differently or ganja differently. But this is something that we have always been doing. And to be honest, you know, um, ganja has been prohibited in Jamaica with our ganja law from 1930, long before. Uh, before the US. Years, yeah. Before the US yeah. prohibited because colonialism it was, it was a people's product. It, it made people enlightened and uh, this was recognized by the colonial uh, rulers of the time to be a tool that did not help them, but it did help the people of Jamaica. And so we've been fighting this struggle for a longer time. And um, to be honest, our government has not always stood in line with the people because Rastafari has been persecuted for many years and misunderstood, but we have righted that wrong now in government. And our government and our civil society and our bipartisanship is showing. Jamaica is a mature democracy. Um, we are a small nation. We recognize that in certain arenas, we don't have the power to stand out. We seek alliances with like-minded countries, but even then, we are leaders. In, and, and our legislation has gone much further than most. We are not um, on, on the more extreme ends like Uruguay, which is a closed market, and the United States that have gone full adult use, which are going for the most liberal, um, laissez-faire type of market situation. Jamaica doesn't want that. Jamaica wants a, a, a regulated industry that protects our youth. That, that confirms the right upon Rasta. It's not as far as the Rastafari would go because, for example, um, our Deputy Solicitor General in the Attorney General's office, who is here presenting on behalf of the Jamaican delegation, did mention that, um, you know, as a religious sacrament, the Roman Catholics can sell their rosaries, um, but we, the Rastafarians who, who um, Ganja, very high in their estimation, cannot then 
uh, sell it to fellow Rastafarians. So it's gone some way for them, and um, the fight is still on. But one thing is for sure, every Jamaican recognizes the benefits, and we are outstanding in the nation. And what we need are, you know, similar-minded allies so our strength can show on the, you know, the global front. There are so many hypocrisies in this. Uh, I'm from the United States, uh, Western United States, Oregon, where it is legal. And uh, while I have the legal right as just a 21-year-old citizen to go buy cannabis, uh, indigenous people still don't have a religious right to use it, even though indigenous peoples have a religious right to use peyote and ayahuasca. So the religious argument has been really confused in the United States. And you briefly mentioned the capitalism angle, and I wanted to get your take on this because we've seen community of cannabis users in America, uh, a division between the activism and the commercialism, and some fear that the commercialism has overtaken some of the human rights considerations. More, more specifically, Brendan Kennedy and a group called Privateer Holdings is in, in with Rita Marley and the Marley family and distributing Marley Naturals, which are grown in Colorado and not helping a single ganja farmer in Jamaica. Give me your thoughts on capitalism happening in America and what needs to happen to you know help these ganja farmers. We don't want to stop persons from earning, as, as my colleague said before. So what we have asked and what we are doing on the ground is to have the Ganja Girls and, and, and Association very cooperative, have a, have a community-based approach to development of the industry. Because it, it, there is a potential for medicinal industry. There is a potential for a product industry, byproduct industry, and we're saying as part of that that angle is to have persons included. We don't want a capitalism that will exclude our traditional farmers who have been the sacrificial lamb for this industry, who have been imprisoned by even the U.S. and deported to back and, and have their lives destroyed by even the U.S. So we're, we're saying if you're going to come, you have to come with some level of and not slavery. We're not doing the sugar slavery thing again. It's, we're not going to cede ganja to a, a, a colonial power who is coming in a different form. And that we, that's a conversation that is happening. We're willing to partner. But if you're not coming with partnership, we're not willing to work. We're not going to be slavery ever again. Ideological. We know it takes money to make the mayor run. Not only that, we have our, our hopes and dreams, and every every farmer in Jamaica wants to elevate their children to a better life. Um, as simple as farming, and it is, it's a very fulfilling task. And and the people who do it are dedicated, and we 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 seek to protect the small and the grassroots farmers because their ambition is to um, is to be the backbone of our economy and to uh, elevate their families in such a way. For that reason, they need to sell their product. We are not closing off the market, but we don't want rampant capitalism at all costs. And we can look at the U.S. and take heed and take warning. We're not going that way. We're going to do this responsibly, and we all collectively in Jamaica, and especially those who have the influence 
and the power to, to make it happen right. We've recognized our responsibility to our people, and that starts with our traditions, our culture, and the people who feed us, our farmers. Thank you so much for an illuminating discussion on these issues. I got to visit Jamaica for the first time last year, and it was beautiful. I can't wait to go again. Have a great session here at the United Nations, and a good lunch. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure to be interviewing those activists. I had, I had met them uh, accidentally, actually. I'd just gone down to the uh, cafeteria at the UN because it was one of the few places I could get electricity and Wi-Fi to upload my uh, reports from the United Nations General Assembly. And I was sitting there and I could hear them talking at the table next to me with their lovely Jamaican accents and decided to introduce myself. Met myself some friends. All right, stay tuned. When we come back, we'll have more of the best 2016 interviews with three sports figures, Jim McMahon, Cliff Robinson, and Marvin Washington, when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Boober Way. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Tennessee's Congressman Steve Cohen. Well, you know, if marijuana is a gateway drug, then kissing is a fake gateway activity to sexual addiction. U.S. Representative Jared Polis. Yes, we really have a growing group of, uh, of, of representatives that um, support decriminalization. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Okay, maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Uh, I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Rock has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a scuff. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. This year, 2016, may be remembered as being pretty awful in many ways, but when it comes to marijuana, it may have been one of the best years ever. 
Four states legalizing, four more passing medical marijuana, and 2016 was the year sports figures came out of the closet in support of the medical use of cannabis. Jim McMahon, uh, Russ Belvo from Cannabis Radio. Uh, we talked a lot about the NFL and the, the brass, you know, not being so hip on this medical marijuana thing. Uh, you played for Coach Ditka. He's on this board for Gridiron Cannabis. How are the coaches and the team doctors reacting to this? Uh, I think the coaches are, you know, a lot of the coaches are old school, so it's, this is all new to them. I'm glad Dick is involved. Uh, you know, he's been a, a leader in a lot of different ways, so have him on board is great. I think Kyle Turley has talked to him quite a bit about it. You know, he used to just yell at us, go, oh, you bunch of bot smokers. That's why you need water, you know. But I, I think he's finally realizing it's it's not a drug. You know, it's a medicinal herb. Like I was talking about, I've been talking about it for months now. And uh, how it gets lumped in with all those other drugs is, is ridiculous. It was mentioned in the uh, on the panel about parents becoming concerned about CTE and concussions. Do you think medical cannabis can save the NFL? Can save football from these fears? Well, it's not going to stop CTE. I mean, if if you got a problem like I have, and you you got that fluid floating around up there, it's going to eat away at the brain. So that that's not going to stop it. I don't, and I don't know whether or not can it's not going to reverse any effects because uh, once the brain's eaten away, it's gone. So. But it definitely helps. It helps me because I'll get shooting pains. I'll get, I'll go weeks at a time not getting out of bed, and that's when I know I got to go back to see the doc. Does that does that impact your life in not being able to travel everywhere you'd like to travel because of the prohibition? Well, that that's definitely hurts. Yeah, but uh, I've been fortunate enough. Well, when I've traveled, they they found it twice in my golf bag. Forgot it was in there, but uh, I showed them my medical card and said, "Look, this is." They said, well, it's not legal here. And I said, well, I'm leaving here, so it should be fine. <laughs> well, that's good news. I'm glad you didn't get into legal trouble with that. Thank you for what you're doing and all the entertainment you brought us on Sundays. We really appreciate it. Right, my pleasure. Thanks, Jim. We are here at the Oregon Cannabis Caucus, uh, National Cannabis Industry Association event, and Uncle Spliffy himself is here, Cliff Robinson. How are you doing, Cliff? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Great. Glad to have you here. And I was just talking with Bernadette about uh, uh, the, the move to get professional athletes and people involved in athletics to understand the medical aspects of cannabis. Tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing in that respect. Well, we're, we're really going to uh, try to focus on the sports medicine side. Uh, to really try to uh, continue, uh, you know, getting the education out there because I think that's going to be the most important part as uh, we continue to move forward to uh, knock down the negative around cannabis is really uh, support the uh, support the, the the findings that we that we that we come up with and, and really try to uh, really create those findings and be out in front of those. Uh, 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 of those things and, uh, you know, really try to validate what it is that we're talking about. You know, we need to get this education out to uh, the mainstream and to the, the management, the executives of the NBA and these other sports leagues. The players themselves seem to get it, but do they get it from the perspective of, oh, weed's just not a big deal, or do they really understand the medical aspects? Well, that, that, that's why we have to continue getting the information out there for them as well, because myself being uh, uh, new to the business, uh, not new to cannabis, but new to the business side, 
now that all this information is out there, I'm 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 a more educated cannabis uh, uh, consumer and user myself. So I think the more we can continue putting that information out there for them and, and putting products out there that uh, they're able to to test, I think uh, you know that that that'll go a long way. You know, uh, as as a former NBA player, I'm sure you've been hit up for lots of different business opportunities. A lot of people want to try to get your name and celebrity involved with something. As you get involved with this cannabis industry, what do you think of the people in the industry itself? Well, I think it's wonderful because, like I said, all the all this information that has been, uh, you know, behind closed doors in a black market, so to speak, is uh, now uh, out there available to uh, to to make a to to have a more educated uh, con- uh, cannabis user and consumer. I think uh, you know it's wonderful. Uh, the, the, the wealth of knowledge that has been behind closed doors is now out there for everybody to kind of really take in. And, and uh, you know, me, I'm learning, I'm learning stuff new every day. So uh, I, I'm excited about being a part of the industry. Now, I understand there's a, a special event going on tomorrow uh, involving uh, Blazers versus Nugs. How appropriate? Can you tell us about that? Well, uh, it's uh, you know, it's a it's an event over at the uh, the Blazers game. Um, uh, Josh Kincaid uh, from Super Chronics uh, organized it, and uh, you know it, it's really to uh, continue, uh, you know, doing positive things around cannabis as a whole. And uh, you know, I'm really excited to be a part of it. You know, especially there at the Motor Center. Uh, you know, uh, the Blazers, uh, you know, have opened up their doors to, you know, just you know, being more educated as uh, you know a, a business as well. So I'm excited to be a part of it. I finally get a chance to ask you a non-marijuana question. Hypothetically, NBA Finals, 95-96 Bulls against this year's Warriors. What do you think? How does it go? Jordan versus Curry. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm old school. Uh, you know, I think the uh, the Warriors have had tremendous success. Uh, you know, they're, they're built for today's NBA. Uh, they do a great job at playing together, but I'm old school, so I would have to uh, lean towards the Bulls. I, I had I asked this of one person who said, "Depends on whether we're using the rules from the '90s or the rules from today." Exactly, but if you use the rules for today, uh, from today, imagine Michael Jordan in this kind of uh, uh, in this kind of system. He played great in a system where everybody's was hands on. So yeah. now, if they couldn't touch him, imagine that. Yeah, but on the other hand, Dennis Rodman would be a little limited. Uh, he would be a little limited, but you know he's a Hall of Fame player. Scottie Pippen's a Hall of Fame yeah. player. Michael Jordan's arguably the greatest of all time. So and, and, and the Warriors coach, Steve and, and Steve Kerr was a part of that team, who was a great shooter. So you know it's uh, it, it's fun to think about that kind of stuff, but you know it, each era is different. So you got to give them all their uh, their proper and their respects, and just you know I don't compare them. Right on, Cliff Robinson, the Uncle Spliffy line. Give people any contact or internet information they need to look that stuff up. Uh, well, we'll uh, we'll be launching uh, our website here soon at uh, Uncle Spliffy uh, UncleSpliffy.com. Uh, you can reach us uh, on uh, Twitter at Uncle Spliffy uh, uh, Uncle Spliffy Uncle Spliffy Inc. and also on Twitter Uncle Spliffy Inc. But uh, you know, reach out. Uh, we'll, we'll a lot of information out there, and we were, uh, like I said, excited to be a part of the uh, industry. All right, Cliff, thanks so much for taking some time with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Russ. I appreciate it. Welcome back, everybody. Radical Russ here at day two of the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, and I'm sitting in the media room with former NFL player Marvin Washington. Hi, Marvin. 
tell folks uh, a little bit about your background, where you went to college, some of the teams you played for. Uh, well, I went to college in the great Northwest. I went to University of Idaho. Uh, and then I was lucky enough to get drafted. I played 11 years in the NFL. I played eight with the uh, New York Jets. Two with the San Francisco 49er and picked up a Super Bowl championship with the Denver Broncos in 1998. When were you uh, attending University of Idaho? Late 80s. Late 80s. So, so uh, you are part of the reason my beloved Boise State Broncos got whooped 13 years in a row. <laughs> you were part of that, huh? You guys paid us back. sure did. Yeah, I was, I, I was the uh, Buster Bronco mascot my freshman year. And I remember, yeah, I remember being, being down there on the field. Just I, I think that first year was like a 60-something to 13 blowout at Broncos Stadium. It was crazy. Yeah, and uh, I think Boise State is doing a wonderful job, and there's even talk of them joining the uh, Big Twelve as, as they expand the summer, and, and that's that's huge. That really needs to happen for sure. Let's talk a little bit about why you're here, because I understand you've got a lot of big news with respect to athletes and medical cannabis and what you're working on. Tell our listeners about it. Of course, we're going to be the, the first company that comes out with a product that uh, qualifies under anti-doping policies of. World Anti-Doping Association. That's a cannabis product. Uh, it has no CB. It has no THC in it, and there are 207 banned substances on, on the water list. We don't have any of those substances, so we can market this to all four major leagues. We can market to uh, major league uh, soccer, college players, high school players, uh, of all sports. And so this is this is big, and, and uh, we're going to have this in the major leagues next year. That's excellent. The uh, World Anti-Doping Authority, of course, covers uh, the Olympic sports, the uh, amateur athletics and such, and they recently raised their metabolite threshold from 15 nanograms to 150. And part of why they said that is we don't want to be catching guys that may have smoked a joint weeks ago. We're really concerned about in competition. Uh, how is that argument playing with the NFL and some the NCAA and some of these leagues have a little harsher stance on this? Well, I think they've you know, you see some of the, the major colleges and, and, and conferences that have or more of, of treatment instead of suspension, and that's going to happen. And the NFL went from 15 nanograms to 35 nanograms, and, you know, they have a test once a year. And so it's not a drug test to me. It's an intelligence test. It's coming. Uh, also, uh, the, the, the thing about the, the, the NFL, they know you're dealing with 20-year-olds. Wow. Coming out of college, so they know what percentage of their, their guys are smoking, but they're aware of medical marijuana ink. They're aware of the, the, the subsidiary companies that are in there, and they're aware of the work that we're doing. Uh, I got involved because it deals specifically with CTE, um, and we have the patent that, that and, and the gov- that we got from the NIH that, that CBD has 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 neuroprotectant. Uh, acts as a neuroprotectant and antioxidant for the brain in relationship to the NFL's industrial disease, which is CTE. Yeah, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, this uh, disease you can't even tell someone's got it until after they've died. They have to do an autopsy. Exactly. 
And so I, we don't want to see any more players, you know, abusing their wives. We don't want to see any, any more players abusing the opiates and the pharmaceuticals. And we don't want to see any other player, God forbid, kill themselves. This, of course, got a lot of uh, play, a lot of attention due to uh, Jovan Belcher, the suicide in, in Kansas City, uh, Junior Seau, uh, many players who have dealt. Dave Dorson. Yeah, yeah, that have dealt with these issues. And it's becoming more and more uh, on the league's radar. Uh, Will Smith was just in a movie concussion that talked about the doctor who discovered CTE. But yet Roger Goodell and the NFL commissioner uh, continues to say, well, our people say and our people still need research. And if the research points us that way, what's it going to take to push them over the edge on this? That They're finally going to recognize the research that you and I and a lot of people at this conference are aware of. Well, I think this is a movement. And as it goes along, the states, you know, more states legalize it or for, for, for medical use and recreation. I think as the country moves, the NFL is going to move. The biggest thing that I'm hoping for is it gets reclassified or decriminalized, and the NFL will have to deal with it. But for Roger Goodell to say we're following the science, they need to lead the science, you know, because of an entity like the NFL that's the biggest sports league in the world, uh, gets behind this, then, you know, they'll take a lot of other, other – they'll take college with them, they'll take high school with them, and then they'll take the other sports leagues with them. They need to research this. They want to deny, and I understand that, or mitigate uh, – uh, CTE, but they need to get behind this. They had a wonderful opportunity to do it independently with, and, and fund the NIH, but they had veto power, so they, they didn't do it with Dr. Bob Stern because he was a, a critic and, and he's one of their objective to the uh, concussion lawsuit. Tell you about the concussion lawsuit that, that all players should be pissed off. How do you have a concussion lawsuit and you leave out CTE? Yeah. You, you write it totally out, and that's why the, the lawsuit came about. So the NFL, if they want to get serious about it, show us the money. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, the NFL and other sports leagues currently are testing and banning cannabis as a controlled substance, as an illegal drug, as something morally you shouldn't do or something that might be dangerous to you. As the... As the world changes and people recognize this for its medical value, do you wonder – well, let's just look at it this way. The past three Super Bowls, the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks have been in two of them each and won one of them each, and those are the two places where it's legal. Do you think they might start trying to say cannabis is a performance-enhancing drug? No, they can't, they, they can't do that. And one of the things that I want people to do is you know, get rid of ideology, get rid of the moral basis and whatever, and just follow the science. If you follow the science, you're going to come to a logical conclusion but, because it, it is there. Uh, it's helping kids that have these epileptic strokes and seizures, helping kids with autism. It's helping soldiers coming back with, these, with PTSD and uh, these traumatic brain injuries. So let's study this deal. Let's reclassify, reschedule it because there has been – the NIH has sent out over $500 million out of this country to other countries for them to study – the science of marijuana from Spain to Israel to all over. Let's keep that money here. Yeah. Let's make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Trump was in this building just yeah, a couple no, days ago, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. We're speaking with Marvin Washington. And uh, do you have uh, – you gave me a card, but I put it in my pocket here. What is the company you're working with? Uh, HempMed Sports. It's a subsidiary of a Medical Marijuana, Inc. And, you know, you can see all the companies that are underneath that umbrella. We're going to build a website for, for athletes for all ages. And – the thing is, is that I know about CBD, but I know the benefits of THC, too. Let me say that. Yeah. And if there's ever a league that needs to 
uh, uh, experiment or let their players use uh, the cannabis plant for pain relief, it's the NFL. Yeah, I, I the first step in the concussion protocol should be taking the guy back to the locker room for a volcano vaporizer bag full of cannabinoids. Uh, 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 of, of course, but not only that, you know, the biggest issue with the NFL is like, I've seen guys leave the NFL addicted to pain pills, mm. and I've never seen them addicted to leave the game addicted to marijuana. That was a big issue with uh, Brett Favre back in the day when exactly. he had his pain pills. Exactly, and there's 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 a bunch of he's not the only one. And, you know, I was telling my sister on the way over here, it's like, you know what the most dangerous thing about marijuana is? It's being caught with it. That's it, especially in, in states like Texas. That's yeah. the most dangerous thing that is being caught with it. But they let their kids go out there with their undeveloped brain, put on a helmet, run into each other and take these hits, 600 hits. Average high school players take 620 hits a season at the impact of 30, 35 miles an hour. Okay. And you're letting them do this. But you don't want to fund or research the cannabis plant. So yeah. uh, this country and the NFL has come a long way, you know, because who would have thought this five years ago? Right. <laughs> but it, 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 it has a long way to go. Well, it, it, and even just five years ago, the only story you'd hear about this was Ricky Williams' story and him talking about his sabbatical and so forth. Well, you know, Ricky Williams – let history be the judge of that. And I believe in 10, 15 years, he's going to be looked at as a pioneer and a trendsetter. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks, oh, he gave up his career for marijuana or whatever. No, he was trying to help, his, help himself, heal his body, because he was taking hits. And that was one of the things that helped his body besides, you know, the Anderson, the Naperson, the Oxycontin, the Percocet. Mm. He did something that's natural, has no negative side effects, didn't, no addiction uh, uh, addiction, uh, addiction problems with it or what have you. He did it. I think he's going to be one of the leading. Uh, when you look back on it, you know, if there's ever a Mount Rushmore of, of cannabis and, and sports, he's going to be on there. Yeah. And how much convincing is this going to take for other players? Are the players behind this? They get it. Or are there some that still hold on to reefer madness? <laughs> there, there are some. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, I know how the NFL is. And, but it, it – it, is it a microcosm of society? So you do have your evangelicals, conservatives in there. But then what about the rest of the players? You know, I know how much players smoke, but right now players are educated. And so there are a lot of guys that are smoking for medicinal purposes instead of being on that pharmaceutical reg regiment that you start in freaking July and you end in December. Mm. Supposedly you're ending December. Yeah, unless you make it in the playoffs. Right? <laughs> yeah, you make it in the playoffs. But listen, you've been taking these things. They may be making you feel good. You're going to take them in March. You're going to take them in April. You're going to take them all the way through. Yeah. You know? And this is something that the NFL's biggest issue to me is, is the opiates, not, not marijuana. You know, they, they understand that. They know that. You're dealing with 20, 21, 22-year-old guys coming out of college. They know a certain percentage of them are, are, are smoking. Pass that one test, NFL doesn't have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. NFL wants to get serious. And if any major league sports wants to get serious about saying we don't want our guys to smoke marijuana, do random unannounced drug tests. Yeah. <laughs> and take the hair follicles. Right. Right. That'd be tougher for you. <laughs> and, but, <laughs> but Yeah. But you wouldn't see, – see if you can feel the team that Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I, I often make the joke that uh, the NBA doesn't uh, drug test its athletes in the offseason because they still want to field five guys for a team. Exactly. <laughs> you know? it, it, exactly. You know, NFL, uh, NHL, even Major League Baseball – you know, they, they're, they're, it's not that really a, a, a big deal with them. The biggest thing should be uh, HGH and the performing enhancing drugs, not this pe benign plant to me, you know. 
this is something that it's coming. Uh, and so these guys can take our product instead of taking something that's pharmaceutical-based. Yeah. Well said. Marvin Washington, thanks for sitting down with us. And give folks some uh, contact information for the company and more information that they might need if they want to learn more about this. Uh, just go to HipMed Sports or Medical Marijuana, Inc., and you can look on the website. Uh, we also have a, a, a website called C- treatcte.org that uh, is dealing with chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And then just holler at me on Twitter, mwash52. Right on. I'll follow you right after the right after the interview. Thanks so much. All right, thank and, you. Uh, and uh, go Big Blue. Go Black and Gold. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Marvin Washington, a great interview there. And uh, Marvin's had a better uh, 2016 bowl season than I have. That's for damn sure. Uh, Idaho won their bowl game, but Boise State suffered <sighs> their worst bowl loss in history. Damn it. Only three more days for 2016. We'll be back tomorrow with our final show of the year. Two and a half days, I should say, at this point. Anyway, for everyone here at Delta 9 Studios and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Follow me on everything at Radical Russ or email me, RadicalRuss at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to our show on our travel budget, you can send it via PayPal at Russ at RadicalRuss.com. Thanks to those of you who've already sent some donations. See you tomorrow. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.